Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast extension for show 542. Our guest today is Dr. Keisha Tracy, Associate Professor of English Studies at Fitchburg State University. We're going to be talking about myth-busting medieval disabilities. Our history buffs today are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. Ed, start us off. Thanks, Jay. Keisha, you mentioned uh, in the radio part of the program that people with disabilities were not always viewed as dangerous. What were the consequences um, for those who were viewed as dangerous? I mean, and I can, the one that I can think of particularly is if someone's having mental health issues um, mm-hmm. and takes religion to task, that this could, mm-hmm. get, this could get you burned at the stake or something like that. Well, I mean, one main example of, of, of that sort of thing would be Joan of Arc, um, who, uh, if, if you read, start reading through every, depending on how you want to approach it, um, in the Middle Ages, she was definitely described as, you know, having visions of from God and, and all that sort of thing. But we might look back on that and say, you know, perhaps there's some mental health issues that are involved here, hallucinations, perhaps, or, or something along those lines. Um, so there's there's that the, that also exists in kind of understanding how people viewed themselves at the time. So, you know, somebody like her, she believed fully that it was a vision and believed fully all of these things. The people who were against her, you know, wanted to believe that this was some sort of, um, you know, a vision from the devil or, or, or something else going wrong, right? So um, she's definitely a famous example of that. But you do have other, other cases. I mean, people put in jail, obviously, was a big one. Um, People, um, definitely we have examples of, you know, people being shackled, especially if they were a danger to themselves or others or had erratic kind of movements that they, that they did. Um, so there's, there's different examples of, of all of these sorts of things. Um, you do have, you know, examples of people being, uh, being left places, um, because they just couldn't, you know, people couldn't take care of them anymore or things like that. Um, so you had, you had different situations that that definitely existed where people were, People were treated that, I mean, in saints' lives, we have some that are, you know, people who are raving, as I was talking about, being beaten, right? So um, there's also, like, if, you, if you've heard of the story, the Blind Man's Bluff, the, the kid's game, um, that actually started with this, I, the, the kind of pretending a person is blind in the center and then sort of beating them up. Um, so there, there's definitely some cases of some issues. <laughs> Rick. Blind man buff. That sounds like staff meeting at ROI. We beat up. <laughs> Keisha, um, in the broadcast portion, you and Jay uh, pointed out that the disabilities then in the medieval period uh, were pretty much the same as what we have now. Uh, how would you, what is a disability? I, you did mention uh, the the physical injury versus genetic uh, dispositions. Uh, what was considered uh, like the main, the top two or three or four disabilities in this medieval period? Definitely loss of limb was a major one that we see quite frequently because there are many situations uh, in the Middle Ages where that might happen. Uh, definitely periods, especially where there were a lot of wars and battles, you see a lot of uh, sure. people with missing limbs. Um, and there's a lot of, I could also talk about that technologies that they, they used to overcome that. But, um, you also, um, see things, 
like mobile disabilities is the biggest one. Um, you, you, you see mobile disabilities described quite frequently, but you also have blindness and you have deaf deafness. So those are two ones that are especially seen and that we look at a lot um, because, the, you know, there are things that happen um, in the Middle Ages based upon certain circumstances and technologies where, where that kind of thing could happen quite frequently. Um, so you see, mobility issues, blindness and deafness are your three, three big ones. Keisha, you've hinted on it in the radio segment, but I'd like you to to spend a little more time talking about treatment options for different kinds mm-hmm. of things. And I'll let you kind of pick and choose between physical yeah. ailments and mental illness, yeah. uh, so forth and so on. Um, but again, what are what kinds of treatment options were prevalent? Um, you know, how effective does it seem like they were and from from a medieval point of view? Because, you mm-hmm. know, we don't have to compare them to what we would be doing. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, just a sense of and, and just that sense, how much of a sense of success or, or lack of success did folks in the Middle Ages feel when confronted with their own disabilities? Mm-hmm. So a major treatment, especially the ones I was talking about, loss of limb, is um, prosthetics. Um, We have many examples of prosthetics, and I'll start with my favorite because it's the most sensational one. Um, We found a a skeleton in Longobard, uh, Italy. Uh, It comes from about the 6th to the 8th centuries. And he he didn't have a a hand, um, and his prosthesis was a knife. Um, he actually had a knife hand <laughs> as his prosthesis, which I've, I keep saying I want a movie about this guy because he obviously was very cool. Um, <laughs> but um, so we have both the knife uh, in his burial uh, area and we have um, one of the buckles that he used to attach that knife to his to his arm. Um and as fascinating as that is, and as, as, as awesome as that is, what I actually find the most fascinating about that find um, is that we also, they found the, the de- deterioration and wear that was very specific on his teeth that demonstrated his daily use of his teeth to pull the strap tight on the buckle to attach his, his knife hand prosthesis. Um, which tells us quite a bit about the daily exercise of, of, of attaching a prosthetic and all of those sorts of things. So that was that's probably the most sensational one that we have. Um, we actually just just came out recently um, that there was another find of a prosthetic in Germany um, where it was a hand prosthetic, and um, I believe it was four four fingers. Uh, were individually formed from sheet metal and were immovable, um, but they were slightly curved to help with um, you know daily use of it. There are some that we have from the Middle Ages of prosthetics that are articulated, uh, mechanical components that were used uh, as well. Um, and of course, they they believe that the, this particular prosthesis was also tied to the stump of the hand with straps. Um, so we have a lot of those examples. We have one from ancient Egypt, actually, that is a toe prosthesis, um, the big toe, because um, which is a big deal if you lose the big toe because of walking um, and balancing. And we have a toe prosthesis from, from that age as well. So these seem to be very good um, prosthetics during, I mean, given the technology that existed. I mean, human beings are amazing what we can come up with. Um, 
and the prosthetics seem to be quite good on that on that case. We also have a lot of crutches and different types of crutches, things that we don't typically associate with being crutches. So, for example, we have hand crutches that if people who had to crawl, they they are they are smaller ones that fit on the hands that they can use to crawl. Um, we also have this really great manuscript image of a um, of a knight who uh, has lost a lower limb, who is leaning on a half crutch while he's still fighting in battle. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of, there's, there's indications that all of these were useful in being able to help people, you know, uh, continue with their work or continue with their daily lives. Um, and as far as mental health is concerned, um, we have a lot of indications that, that uh, treatments and community treatments um, definitely were uh, definitely were helpful for people. We have um, herbal treatments that seem to have worked quite well because they were so popular. I mean, if they didn't work, we they probably wouldn't have been as as widespread uh, as we see them. So um, we definitely think there there were a lot of lot of very positive treatments and technologies that were used in the Middle Ages for various disabilities. Right. Ed. Yes. Um, how are these prostheses? Um how do they happen to be preserved if they're all that old? I mean, were people buried with these things? Yes, yes. Um, mostly that's where we find them, in burial, in graves. Um, and so the, the knife prosthesis was found in a grave. Um, the, the one that I just talked about, I believe, was found in a grave. Um, a burial, yeah. It was a, 15th, it was a 15th century burial chamber that they found that one in. So, yeah, people were buried with their prostheses because it was part of their daily lives. Um, so we have all, we have a lot. I mean, we have, I mean, you know, a lot, I guess, is relative in terms of what we have modern day. But um, we have quite a few uh, prostheses that have survived. And, and I'll just add, Ed, there's a lot of mention of those sorts of things in literature as well. I'm thinking of the Icelandic sagas where you have any yeah. number of prosthetics that are talked about with this Jarl or that whoever. Um, yeah. So so there's a pretty good literary tradition supporting as well as physical evidence. Yeah, I mean, and I would add to that as well that one of my friends is a is an Icelandic scholar, so I've learned quite and a disability scholar, so I learned quite a bit about this. But a lot of times, those people, um, Icelandic people, they they their nicknames because their nicknames yeah. are very important as like Icelandic culture would have something to do with their disability. They they usually were quite proud of. Yeah. Rick, I think you're going to get the last question here. Oh, oh, yay, oh, yay. <laughs> That's Keisha, medieval, isn't it? It's a town Keisha, the, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, treatments that you were talking about, did the treatments uh, uh, vary uh, rich versus the poor, uh, urban versus the rural? Uh, were, were there like uh, shops, uh, uh, crutches are us or fake hands are us? How, how did... How did the treatment uh, vary based on economic status? Yeah, uh, as far as we know, there were no uh, crutches are us um, uh, locations. I would love to find one if there was. That would be fantastic. Um, So as far as we know, no. But you do have, I mean, people like blacksmiths, um, people like carpenters, you know, would, would devise these things based upon the individual's. Um, so depending on what was needed, if it was out of metal or if it was out of wood or whatever it was, was based upon, they would, you know, be able to do that sort of thing, that sort of work. 
um, not only that, human beings are just inventive, right? I mean, if you need something and you, you know, you need to know how to be able to pick something up and you can't do something, you figure out a way to do it, right? So um, there's all kinds of that situation. Yes, I, I mean, I, I would say that there is a, a quite a, you know, a difference between uh, in economic status, depending on who you are and what you might have access to. Um, then you, you definitely have certain different circumstances. I mean, you definitely have different prostheses that are made out of better material. I, also, I already mentioned articulated prosthetics versus not articulated, which is a huge difference, right? So yeah. um, there's a there's a you know there's differences in types and quality that that exist whenever we're talking about that. You might also have more protection. Um, you know, if you're a part of a of a wealthier family, they might be able. They also might be able to have the the resources to be able to have someone who may not be able to work. You know, so um, there's a there's different circumstances that that exist when it comes to those. Uh, so yeah, I, it's it's definitely a part of the economic status as well. But also keep in mind that um, people, uh, poor people. Um, were also they, there were different uh, things put in place for that. So, for example, there were communities of the blind in, especially France, that in cities. So that would be the difference between cities and rural. If there are more of you, more people like you, you can create a community, right, and help each other in a community sure. that exists, as opposed to someone who may be the only person who's blind, you know, in a community. All right. Well, we would love to continue forever and ever, but uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up uh, this particular podcast. Uh, we want to thank our guest for this 542nd show, Dr. Keisha Tracy, Professor of English Studies at Fitchburg State University. We've been talking about myth-busting medieval disabilities. Our history boss for today, we're Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA or on the web at TuneIn.com. If you're looking for older programs, you'll find them at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in a search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find a decade's worth of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.